you wished upon a star. Now we want you to share with us our latest and greatest dream. Disneyland. Just go to Action Park, there's no other park like it. Six Flags Great Adventure. It's not a world away. Paramount's Kings Island. We will officially open Universal Studios Florida. Hello, I'm Michael Eisner. Now, here is your host. Hi, and welcome back to the Defunct Land Podcast. My name is Kevin Perger, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, Johnny Tamaro, who worked at Toys R Us Times Square throughout its entire run. Uh, Johnny, how are I'm you doing? I'm doing great, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing great as well. I'm 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 so happy that we uh, got a chance to speak. Uh, for those of you that don't know, and I'm I don't want to get his title exactly exactly wrong. Johnny, you worked at Toys R Us Times Square from day one to the last day. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, and what was yeah. what was your t- what did you hold one position the whole time or did you uh, move around? Oh, I had several. I started out as a uh, a product demonstrator. And they called us. Oh, really? Yeah, they called us ambassadors. We were the ambassadors of toys, and you know, uh, um, most of us spoke different languages. I, I didn't speak any; I just spoke English. But most of us spoke different <laughs> languages, so we were able to, you know, interact with all of the tourists that were coming in and out of the store. And our job was to demonstrate product and um, make right. it feel like a fun, happy uh, place to be. And then from there, I went to. Uh, well, you know, from there, I had a very interesting job. From there, I created a character uh, by the name of Vinny. And Vinny was like a lounge singing, joke telling magician type of a, I would say a concierge to the store. What? And yeah, he would. Yeah, he, I wore a black tuxedo and the lapels, the bow tie, the cummerbund and all the buttons and the stripe down the pants was giraffe print. My mom made it. <laughs> shout out shout out to Stella. And she um and we and I wore these big sunglasses, had I drew in a little pencil mustache, and I was this guy for about three years. And he was very popular. It was like it was like the, the host of the of the big, you know, biggest toy store in the world. So popular that yeah, so popular that Good Morning America, it was right across the street from us. It still is there. And they had Charlie Gibson, Diane Sawyer, and Robin Roberts. And they decided to do a job swap with them and unique jobs in Times Square. So they approached Toys R Us and they said, do you have anybody interesting, anybody that would want to do that? And they, of course, came to me. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll job swap with somebody, not knowing who it was. I thought they would have come here to do my job and I'd go over there and be like a, a grip or a best boy and carry a wire. Well, the next day, Robin Roberts comes into my store. She puts on my tuxedo. And the following Tuesday, I'm on Good Morning America doing the news. <laughs> Unbelievable. So you started, uh, and then doing demonstrations because that right. you know in in my in the history video that I that I'm doing and I'm writing, you know, it does discuss heavily how big they were into that. Yes, it was a uh, big yeah the 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 experience right the to walk in and have experiences. Yep, yep. Did you see? Uh, any did, did you see the mindsets change you're there for 14 years what they wanted the store to be what they were using the store for because i know when it launched it was like this is going to be where we launch new toys it's like right. a venue it was it was the backwards um story because when when you get a flagship store you base 
highly base everything, every other store on that flagship's location. But here we are, we did it the opposite way. They had all these existing Toys R Us big box aisle stores, and then they opened up this monstrosity, 110,000 square feet, and they made that the flagship store. And they were, it was a big commercial. It was a one big, amazing commercial right in the middle of Manhattan, in the middle of Times Square. And, uh, you know, we started out like that. I mean, when we first opened, we had, I want to say, 30 some odd managers, about 400 associates. And then that was on November 17th, 2001. And then in March or April of 2002, one day we opened up 10 minutes late. And I'm like, why are we opening up late? We've never opened up late. So we opened up 10 minutes late. And then about a half hour later, they called everybody into the office one at a time to let us know that they let go about 25, no, about uh, 15 managers and about 250 associates in one shot. And we were all like, whoa, wow, okay. And then, you know, the store was still acting and behaving the same way. But then when corporate started to change hands and new CEOs came on board and new people became in charge of marketing and new people became in charge of the buyers and it just started to turn into something different, it still became, you know, it still was a great, you know, tourist estate, I mean, Empire State Building, Statue of Liberty, Toys R Us Times Square, you know, and people would come for that. And it was still a great store like that. But then it started to be more and less of a commercial and more of we got to sell. We got to make money. We got to sell this product. We got to make sure we're doing everything we possibly can. And then it came into play. Let's sign people up for our Toys R Us credit card. Let's sign people up to get the buyer protection plan on this toy. Let's get them to get the reward card. Let's get them to buy batteries. Let's get them to fill out the customer survey. So it became this like a, a combination of a regular store and this amazing, great store. And then it, it started to feel a little weird. But then, you know, it got back to the amazement and the fun aspect of it. But then when this new CEO came on board, you know, he, uh, I don't know what they told him or what they offered him, but in July, he shut down FAO Schwartz because I don't know if you know that, and you probably know this, Toys R Us bought FAO Schwartz in 2009. Yeah, so in 2015, they shut down FAO Schwartz in July and then they shut down us in uh, December 30th, 2015. So Times Square was, was a wonderful place where all the people that worked there wanted to work there. And that's very rare to have that. All the people that started there, they sought out. I mean, I was, it was the summer of 99, no, summer of 2000. And I'm looking through the times and I'm just looking at the theater in the theater section. Cause I was all, I was right. I was in the, I had just done the tour of Tony and Tina's wedding. And I was going to Japan with the show as well. And I was like, I was getting, I, I was getting married in 2001. So in, in the summer of 2001, my wife was like, you know, you're not just going to go do the show at night and just be home during the day doing nothing. You're going to be, you know, all right, you got to get it. I'm like, okay, yes, no problem, man. Whatever you say, my wife, my beautiful wife. Yes, yes, yes. So I see this big, huge ad for Toys R Us Times Square opening up two blocks away from where I do Tony and Tina's wedding. And I'm like, ah, win, win. I'm doing it. 
and I applied. And my first interview was 9 a.m. September 11th, 2001. And I did not go to that interview. But they called me and they rescheduled. And then I went back and we had this uh, big, huge interview in the Crown Plaza Hotel because the store wasn't ready. It was supposed to be ready at the end of September, beginning of October. But all of the construction workers that were working on the building when September 11th happened, they went downtown to help downtown. So the construction was put off for a little while and we opened up in November of 2001. I talk about in the the episode uh, how, you know, Times Square and and New York tourism, of course, in general, saw a a significant dip after, you know, 9-11. Sure. Um, And it seemed, though, that you know, from executive interviews that I'm reading, you know, in the times and whatnot, they, they said they're not, they said they didn't notice anything. Um, so, you know, in the months, did you notice that kind of tourism slowly start to come back over time? Was this, did the store get more busy as it went on? It did. It did. And in our store, you know, we tell the story all the time, you know, when, when people are either down in their luck or they're feeling blue or they're, you know, not feeling, you know, happy and peppy and bursting with love. They're not going to buy the pair of shoes. They're not going to go buy a pair of pants. They're not going to buy the new car, but they will always buy toys for their children. So our store, though it did see a dip because the whole city, you know, was kind of like what's going on now. The whole city shut down for a little bit, not shut down, shut down, but it was, there was nobody in the city for a while, but then slowly but surely that Christmas things started to go. And then we, when we opened up, we opened up like two months after um 9-11 and it was like uh, a warm welcomed uh gushy smushy feeling inside that we needed a toy store a month before christmas in the middle of manhattan and the biggest toy store in the world to boot so it was it was magical and then on that same year i had gone on tour for the third year in a row with Kenny Rogers. And he was unsure if he wanted to do his Christmas show that year because of what happened. But boy, ho, we did it. And did they need it? And people, and I needed it. Everybody needed it. People went ballistic. They loved it. They just went, thanked us up and down. Thank you for doing this. We really needed this Christmas spirit and this and the whole, you know, with everything that happened. So we did see uh, the increase go and it was always busy. It was except for like maybe Mondays and two, like I used to say, toy store on a Tuesday in January and February. Oh boy, you see tumbleweeds going by. But um, it was always busy, always. And that's that that um, pickup of of tourism. It started to happen right around that first Christmas. And as January, February of two thousand two started to come along, and then spring break and the summertime, yeah, it did. The tourism uh, came back. Uh, not really crazy quickly, but it came back quick, pretty quick. Yeah. The, so, and with Toys R Us Times Square, um, it was a store that was, you know, and, and and I'm going off of my own research here. Um, it was a store that was not really designed to make a profit as a store as much, as much as it was designed to make a statement for the whole Toys R Us chain. For the company. Um, Right. 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 So with that, you know, you had to put on these big events 
with like big name people. You know, I think Bill Gates did his Xbox yeah. event there like three in. days before it opened. Yeah. What was that like? What did you have any? That was nuts, you know, man. I was I wasn't there for that event, but um, right. But Bill those Gates, kind yeah. of events, you know. Oh yeah, Bill Gates was there. I was there for um this thing this thing called the 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 Z. The, I know. I know. I can imagine what you're trying to. I I found this. It's that. It's like a yeah. It's like a musical robot looking thing. It's a speaker that you plug in. You plugged in your device, and the music came out of the 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 horn. But who who debuted it? Who sang a song in the store? Who did I give a tour to before she was this monstrosity of an entertainer? Was this young girl from Barbados? It was Rihanna. (laughs) Yeah. And I taught her around the store with her friend. She was like, I don't know, 17, 18 years old. The cutest, sweetest little girl. We, were, we had a wonderful time. And I'm like, wait a second. Every, all of a sudden, when she exploded, I was like, I, I gave her a tour. What the heck is going on here? <laughs> so, yeah, that happened there. Yeah, that happened. That happened. Um, yeah, then the, the GMA thing happened. But they were always inside filming movies, too, like um, The Heist with Ben Stiller. When he oh, moved, I didn't know about yeah, that. They filmed that in the store overnight um a lot of things got launched there the xbox got launched there the zune microsoft's answer to ipod mm-hmm. remember that the zune yeah yeah that got launched there uh, i actually do you want i had a i have a running list and i'm adding a few and as we're talking i'm adding okay. a few things yeah but do you do you want me to read i'm sure this will spark some memories mm. i had i had that and i can get you the name of that that weird robot thing it was like a it was the supposed is. to look like a, was it the is? The is. It is the, it. Is. the is. That's right. That's You're what right. it was. The is. Um, it, so Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix launched there. The book. The book. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I got a funny story about that. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, go, yeah. No, go ahead. No, oh, I'd love to hear it. So, the, so we had these books. It was all over. The, the, with the front of the store, we had the section. And we put, in the, uh, we put the books up in the book section. But we also had a beautiful display at the front of the store. Mm-hmm. So it's 10 o'clock. Okay, we had the midnight launch the night before. It's 10 o'clock. We open the doors at 10.10. Can I get the manager down to customer service over the walkie-talkie? And I think I was one of the only managers on, on, on duty that day. And I go downstairs. I go, what's up? And there's a guy standing there. He's got a brown satchel over his shoulder. And he has the book in his hand with a receipt. And he's like, yeah, um, I want to return this. I was here last night. Uh, but uh, I didn't know my friend was at Walden Books, and he got me one, too. So I'm going to return this. And I'm like, okay. So I get the book, and I look to see if it was read. And I'm like, there's no way he read this from last night to now. Impossible. In my mind, I'm saying this. I go, oh, no problem. You got it, pal. Thank you. Have a great day. And then he leaves. Then I walk out. And then I, as I'm walking out, it was like a sixth sense moment. Like usual suspects moment. I went, right. wait a second. <laughs> that, that receipt looked weird. So I ran back inside. I said, Let me see that receipt that guy just gave us. And I get the receipt and it's it's our receipt. Last night it's a it's a legitimate receipt, but it's like gray and it's bumpy. Like it's been on the floor and somebody stepped on it. I said, This son of a gun found a receipt outside. He came in the store, grabbed the book off the shelf, put it in his bag, went downstairs to try to return this book. And we just gave him twenty two seventy five. Sure oh, enough, oh, I go to the cameras, and that's what he did. He came, he came in from the outside. He goes to the book section, takes a book, puts it in his satchel on the way down the escalator, and goes into customer service. 
That seems like a lot of work for only 22. Right? That's what I said. I was like, 22 hours? Come on now. Yeah, it's not the biggest con you can pull off probably in Times Square. No, no, Uh, not at all. Yeah, so they had Harry Potter. Yep, Order of Phoenix. That was awesome. I remember They got Harry Potter, the video now, like portable video player with like Hillary Duff was there, I guess. Yes, indeed. Hillary Duff was there. Rubik's Revolution. Oh, oh, Rubik's Revolution. I got a favorite one. I hope it's on your list. Keep going. Okay. Uh, Nintendo Wii. Yeah. Uh, the Lost Toys. Uh, the uh, Deal or No Deal merchandise. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Twilight New Moon merchandise. Wrestle. Yeah. Bunch of WrestleMania stuff. Oh uh, yeah. Obviously, we had, we had a lot of signings in the store too in the Skybox. So a lot of wrestlers came. Uh, Todd McFarlane was there. I got to meet him. Um, pretty, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, EA sports, Tiger Woods, PGA tour, 2002. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the Tamagotchi. The oh yeah. The, little, yeah. the virtual pad. People went nuts for the Tamagotchi. Crazy for the Tamagotchi. Strawberry shortcakes comeback tour. Yes, indeed. Um, Barbie's presidential campaign announcements. Yeah. Uh, and then the, can you beat Ken with, uh, the Jeopardy board game? With the Jeopardy that- board game. Yep. Yep. And we had, on the 50th anniversary of Barbie, her 50th birthday, we had the original Barbie out of the vault from Mattel in the store in front of the Barbie house with two guards surrounding her every day. That's amazing. That was crazy. But my favorite thing we did there was when Star Wars The Force Awakens came out and we did a midnight launch on all the Star Wars merchandise. <gasps> oh, that was extraordinary. Um, we, they, they, I don't know if you know, I don't know if you ever seen the guys on YouTube. There are about seven guys. They all dress as stormtroopers, and they do this re, like this crazy little like hip hop dance. <laughs> no, I they haven't were, seen they, that. They were very popular in 2015. Very popular, and they found them, and they flew them in, and we surrounded the Star Wars section with pipe and drape that was connected to like triggers with them, with ropes. And they came, the stormtroopers were standing there with their rifles guarding the the area. And then when midnight hit, we let all these people in and all these people were on the second floor and watched the stormtroopers do their dance that they've been doing on YouTube. And then when they turned around, the music ended and then somebody pressed a button and the pipe and drape fell and all the Star Wars merch was there and everybody was like, Aah! Oh my gosh, that's such a great, that's so great. It was awesome. So that was in 2015. So, I mean, yep. that, and you're, you're still doing this, this those kind of big events and, and those unique stuff, you know, till the very end. Yeah. Um, then we had, bir- we would have birthday parties in there. I was in charge. Yeah. I was in charge of the before the store opened tour. We would do a tour of Toys R Us Times Square. We opened up at 10 o'clock. You met me outside at 845, and I would bring you in the toy store when nobody was there. And you would get a full tour of the store. You'd get a Candyland candy raid where you get a bag of candy. You'd get the first ride of the day on the Ferris wheel. That was the thing people wanted to do most. That was the, the, the icing on the cake. You get the first ride of the Ferris wheel of the day. So was this for the birthday parties or was this just a this, No, you this could... you would pay $40 a person. Okay. And we put your name on the big uh, Jeffrey Tron that we had outside the store, the big TV. So you had your name and lights in Times Square. It was it was magical. It, I, wait, was it, what, what was that called? Was it the Jeffrey Tron? The Jeffrey Tron, yes. Yes. And that was um the big TV that jutted out of the building. And on both sides you could see it. And that tours the tours became this 
really big thing. The people uh, really, really, um, it was very sought after. They really loved, loved the tours. With the birthday parties, uh, so th- there's a lot of office space, from what I can tell, upstairs. Is that where you had, you know, in the fourth floor, technically, right? Yes, 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 yes. On the, is, on that, the, is that the where you had level. the birthday parties? Like um, the little rooms? Yeah, well, there, were, there's a little, there was a little bridge between the, the store and the skybox. Because it was the way it was such situated. The skybox was like this floating, yeah, surrounded glass office on the left-hand corners that overlooked Times Square. And we never had a New Year's Eve party there, which always boggled my mind. But then you realize <laughs> when, you, when you watch New Year's Rock and Eve, you would see Toys R Us Times Square. It was always prominent, and they would sell ads to whoever wanted to put their stuff in the window. So... They got a lot of money for those ads. Um, but the, yeah, the, yeah, the birthday parties were on that level. Then we had birthday parties in a section on the first floor called Cookie Party. Uh, right. A, a, yeah, family from Jersey, um, Anthony and Dana and their mom, Judy. They were great. They uh, approached corporate and they got Cookie Party into Toys R Us Times Square. And we would have birthday parties uh, and Cookie Party. They were great. That was fun. That's uh, yeah. That's I I've I researched cookie party the uh, like make your own cookies kind of thing or like really like decorative. Um, that's so cool. Um, wow, it's just it's such a it was such a unique store. Um, you know, I in the video, uh, you know, which at the time of recording this, I'm I'm still currently working on. I just just did the finish the narration for, and I'm probably going to go back and add some uh, keywords like uh, Jeffrey Tron in there. Oh, cool. Um, cool. But uh, but you know, so. I, I want to go back to this character you played because this is mm. the, this is the most interesting thing to me. Is he was like, uh, so did you develop him or did they tell you to develop some? Uh, you know, so we get so what happened? We get back uh, into uh, the store because what happened was I went on. I wasn't there for opening day because I got married November tenth, two thousand and one. And you have to be, I got married in, in the Bahamas. So you have to be in the Bahamas three days before you get married. And then I was spending two weeks in the Bahamas. And then the day after I got back from the Bahamas, I had to go on tour with Kenny Rogers. So in um, September, October, when we were still doing training in the Crown Plaza Hotel, I walked up to the HR person, Pat Keating, who was a gem. I said, Pat, I have to talk to you. She goes, what's up? Now, mind you, I just met these people less than a month before. I said, uh, I'm getting married on November 10th, and I have to go to my, I have to go down there three days before because I'm getting married in the, in the Bahamas. And then the, the, I have to spend two weeks on my honeymoon. And then when the day after I come back from my honeymoon, I'm going on tour with Kenny Rogers. This is the first Christmas the store is open. And she says, uh, when will you be back? I said, January 2nd. She goes, okay, see you January 2nd. And I'm like, oh, that was easy. Okay, great. So January 2nd, after all my whole stint, I come back on January 2nd, and I'm demoing toys. And I'm loving it. And this place is great. And I'm doing Tony and Tina two blocks away. And I'm working at the store during the day, and I'm doing Tony and Tina's at night. And then all of a sudden, I look around, and there's a mad scientist. I'm like, who are you? I think I'm the mad scientist of the store. Da, 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 da. And then there's a beautiful princess. I'm like, oh, a princess. And then there's a king, the king of toys. And I'm like, who are these people? <laughs> What's going on here? I want to be a character too. Come on, man. So the next day, I come in 
and I'm wearing a black suit, black shirt. My 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 shirt is opened. I got a gold chain. I got a pinky ring. My hair is slicked back, and I'm tr- and I decided I'm going to be a quintessential New Yorker, and I'm going to talk like this, and we're going to be a New York guy in the toy store in the middle of Times Square. Here we go. And they call. They go, what, what are you doing? I'm like, um, that's my character. I'm gonna be Vinny, and I'm gonna be this Italian guy. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the New York guy, because that's what people want to see when they come to New York City. They want to see this. I'm gonna give them it. And they were like, it's a little too Sopranos-ish, little too, little too Godfather-ish. Can you tone him down? I said, yeah, I think I could do that. So I go home and I remembered I, I did a, a, another wedding show years ago, years before that. And I still had the powder blue tuxedo with the powder blue shirt and the powder blue bow tie. And I had these fun big sunglasses and I put on a mustache and I came in the next day and I was like, hey, everybody, how you doing? My name is Vinny and I'm your Toys R Us Times Square guy. I can sing you a song. I can tell you a joke. I can do you a magic trick, whatever you need. I'm for you. And I know everything about every toy in the store. So try me, question me. And they loved it. They were like, this is who we want to see. This lounge lizard type of guy who will crack jokes and sing songs and do magic tricks. And I did that. And then he evolved into with the black tuxedo, with the giraffe print. Because I said, I got to tie him into the store because people are walking in and they're like, who is this guy? Why is he? Why is he walking around? <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. I yeah. was like, "Who is this just guy?" Some it, it, Italian man that's offering to do magic. Is he part of the? Is he part of the store? Now? Is he part of the store? Exactly. So I was like, "I got to tie him into the store." So I called my mom and I said, "We have to do something with a suit to make me tied into Toys R Us." I said, "I got to find giraffe print pattern or giraffe print fabric." She was okay. I, I can do that, and we did. And on the stripe of the pants and the lapels, the cummerbund, the buttons, the bow tie, everything was giraffe print. And when I walked in the first day, the whole store was like, oh, wow, you're like the Toys R Us Times Square, like, know-it-all, concierge thing. I'm like, yeah, I guess that's what it is. And I did that for like, uh, I want to say three years. Yeah, three years. And then I got me on Good Morning America and uh, stuff like that. So it was that was uh, a trip. I loved him. He was the best man. So I basically, so, you know, not to not to <laughs> not to give a blow up my spot, but I basically walked around the store all day, really doing in in anybody's mind it was nothing. But what I was doing was creating this joy and merriment for the tourists and all the people that used to come in, the locals, and they would always come in to see me. And I'd show them a trick. I'd sing them a song. I'd tell them a joke. And I was like the guy to make sure everybody's doing okay. I was the entertainment. And uh, people really took a liking to him. And uh, he was great. I miss him. I miss doing that. So how did that come to an end? Did they finally find out that you weren't doing any work? (laughs) (laughs) No, sorry. No offense. (laughs) No, somebody. I I have a, a, a theory that somebody at corporate must have been looking through the books and said, what does he do? Why does, why does he, because you got to understand in 2001, when minimum wage was, I think it was 535, they sat me at this interview when they offered me the job and they wrote down 1580 on the paper. 
That's not bad. I'm like, what? When do you want me to start? Yesterday? So, and I got raises after raise after raise. Three, four years later, somebody must have been like, why does this guy get paid so much money? What does he do? Oh, he walks around in a tuxedo and does magic tricks and sings songs and <laughs> tells jokes. And they're like, they must have been what? like, uh, uh, let's make him a supervisor. So then I became the supervisor of the demonstrators. And I was the department supervisor right under assistant manager of the demonstrators. I did their schedules. I planned out their day. I put up their quotas. I said, you're going to demo this. You're going to demo that. It's going to be fun. You're going to do it this way. I can teach you how to demo because I'm the demo extraordinaire. And I'm going to show you how to do everything. I really wasn't. So, you know, I did all that. And then I became the department supervisor of the wheels department, which I didn't really like. And it went south very quickly. And the HR manager, Jerry, saw this. And then he said, can you help me with an interview today? I said, absolutely. I went downstairs. I helped him with the interview. And I basically took it over. And he was like, uh, you want to be on my HR team? I'm like, uh, okay, what will I do? He said, you'll do all the interviews, all the orientations, all the hirings, and then uh, you'll sit in on uh, firings and meetings and all that stuff. I go, sounds great. So I did HR for five years, and it was great. And then when the new HR manager came in, she saw my potential to be on the selling floor to create joy and merriment. So she was like, we're going we're gonna to make a job. And you were like, we were like, well, hold on now. I, I, I'm going to bring it back Vinny, right? I wanted to do that. They were like, no, you're going to be you. And you're going to do basically what you did as Vinny, but not so extreme. And you're going to be like the, what did they call me? The, the, the department supervisor of guest and uh, associate engagement. I said, oh, okay, that sounds good. So I became that. And then I created something called, you know, Disney has these magic moments. Where yeah, a course. Disney employee, you know, of course you know. They, they, they approach anybody, you know, a random guest and give them whatever. So I created the R experience. <laughs> That's and, great. Yeah. And I would have candy bags in my pocket. I have tickets to the Ferris wheel in my pocket. And I'd have approach random people all day. And I'd be like, hi, how you doing? You want to go on the Ferris wheel? And the parent would look over the railing and say, well, that line is too long. I'm like, oh, here. Here are the tickets. And follow me. You're going to the front of the line. They're like, What? What's the catch? No catch. And I did that for a couple of years, still helping out in HR, but mostly on the selling floor. And then the piece there is dance. The January of 2015, 12 months before we closed, the, the big re, uh, regional vice president of the company is giving a tour in the store with me heading it, helping him tour it. And he was, we get to the end of the tour. I said, would anybody like ice cream? Because we had a scoops R us in the store. I was like, yeah. So we got everybody ice cream. And he's like, Johnny, uh, we have a surprise for you. I'm like, what's up? They're like, uh, you've been in this store the past 14 years. And you did all these jobs. And I remember Vinny very well. And you do this. And you do this. And you did this. We, we know you're the department supervisor of guest and uh, uh, associate engagement. We're going to make you the assistant manager of that. I was like, what? It totally blew me away because I had no idea. I didn't even ask for a system manager job. And they made me the assistant manager. And I was the assistant manager for uh, until we closed. That's amazing. And yeah, it, was, that... it was great. It was great. Well, I ha so, you know, 
I'm trying to think of how to order these because I have so many questions based off of that. But I guess my my quote, big question um, is, you know, what was who you know you you mentioned your coworkers and people that watch the video are going to see you know your amazing and your last day speech that you gave. Um, you know, oh. tell me tell me a bit about those you know those people you worked with oh. and you know you mentioned they were a different breed of of you know of kind of uh, co-workers they were like in a good way were. yeah oh yeah i mean you know it's very rare like i said before it's very rare that you find a job or a place to work where every single person that works there wants to work there and this is what we had we were we were a mini family we were there sometimes more than we were home because you know during the holiday season you know our hours were re- regularly 10 to 10 monday through thursday 10 to 11 uh friday saturday and sunday was like 10 to 9 but during the holiday season we'd be five o'clock in the morning till midnight five o'clock in the morning till two in the morning and then december 21st to christmas eve 24 hours we wouldn't close you know we'd have different ships right. but you know and we were there all the time and the, the friendships that i made there i still have today and the friends that uh you know the the people that worked there were like like my family and um the laughs we had but still getting the job done that was the unique part about it we worked in the biggest toy store in the world the biggest building in the world that houses toys we got the job done but we still had fun doing it and we still and we still remain good friends to this day and that last speech by the way that was I, I, I don't know where that came from. That was, in the, <laughs> I, it was about an hour before. And they were like, who's doing the rally today? And I'm like, I don't know. Are you, are you going to do it? They're like, I'm not going to do it. Are you going to do it? I'm not doing it. You you crazy? Johnny, you do it. And I'm like, what am I going to say? They were like, you, I don't know. You, what are you going to say? I was like, it's the last rally. It's the last thing. Oh, my gosh. And then all of a sudden, as I'm standing there, I'm like, 14 years. Uh, how many months are in 14 years? How many days are in 14 years? How many minutes are in 14 years? How many hours are in 14? And I started all writing. I got the calculator. I got it all down. And then I was like, all right, I need 10 things that I won't miss. Uh, okay. <laughs> I said, Mary, 10 things I won't miss. She's like, uh, is the candy free? Okay. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh my God. I was like, what about you? Give me something. And then they all gave me something. And then I made that long scroll and I put it in my pocket. I'm like, all right. I'm going to, here we go. I'm going to wing it. But then the last thing was me. The last thing I'm like, these are all the things I'm going to miss. What am I not, what am I, that I'm not going to miss? What am I going to miss? I said, I know what I'm going to miss. And I took that piece of paper. I wrote that word down. I put it in my pocket, in my wallet, and I killed them. It was like I was, it was like I was doing the show. I made them laugh, and then I made them cry. And it was, it was, it was a magical <laughs> you day. Did. People still it talk is. about that. To this day, they, 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 you know, on Facebook, I have a, work, a girl that works with me at FAO Schwartz now that used to work with me at, at Times Square. She was there for that speech. She talks about it all the time. It was it was magic. Yeah, well, I, that's why I really it was happy to be able to use it in the video because it's just so perfect. And it's funny when you were listing off those things like I didn't work there, but it's so, you know, even just to a third party of like, you know, uh, where's the bathroom? How do you get how do you get out of here? How do you get out of it's here? Like, you know, anybody that's done any sort of customer service work can just imagine. And, I, you know, uh, and, and yeah, and I wasn't trying to be mean to people. I was just, this is what we go. No, it's, it was so funny. Yeah. I mean, and it's, uh, I think it's, I think it's funny that, um, 
Toys R Us Times Square is like, you know, you had to deal with all the things that a normal Toys R Us deals with. And then you had to also deal with all the things that Times Square does. I mean, yep. the, you know, some of the stuff we talk about in the video or like the the raging grandmas. Oh, yeah. Um, you remember them? They come mm-hmm. like every year. Yep. Yep. The lady with the red hats. Um, the, 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 what are they called? Oh, flash mobs. Yeah, the flash mob. We had flash mob too. Yeah. That was there. I found video of that, and you, it's a really funny like it like uh, pans over to see one of the employees like on the phone, and he's everybody's freaking out. Like, what do we do? What are they? Because you know, the f- famous flash mobs are like dance numbers, and they're like really like well organized. This one was just everyone was just screaming at the dinosaur. I don't know. Yeah, if you've they seen were doing they were doing dinosaur noises at the dinosaur. Yeah, That's what they were doing. Yeah, there you go. That dinosaur was great. Oh, I got to I get to meet Steven Spielberg. Oh, really? Right before we opened, he came to see how the dinosaur was panning out. That was pretty cool. I was like, oh, I don't have a resume and a headshot on me. Son of a gun. But he was great. <laughs> he was great. He was very. And then I met him in FAO. He came in to do some personal shopping, and I was a toy soldier at FAO, and I, and I saluted him, and he saluted me back. And that was a weird full circle moment. Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah, for those of you that don't know, you know, you now work at FAO. I which I guess reopened. Where did it reopen? Is it because the famous one was on Fifth, right? It was on Fifth by the Park, Fifth and Fifty Eighth, and we reopened um, three years later after Toys R Us sold the name to this company in California, um, Three Sixty Merch Source, and uh, they reopened it in Rockefeller Plaza, right in the heart of Manhattan. We 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 right in front of the tree. I see the tree every day. It's a great. Oh uh, wow, that's amazing. View. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, and toys, toys, the the flash mobs, all those things that you had to deal with, and also yep. just like things on the street that are like coming in or like things that are happening on the street. Uh, you know, it's 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 so interesting. As far as in the store itself, the store went through a few. You know, there. I'm trying to track. You know, the changes of things, and it's almost impossible. You know, the the, the Pepsi World's thing at the top at the fourth floor. Uh, was gone as soon as it was there, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it was it was a very short lived um, because they the, the food aspect of it. They were like, we have to serve food and the soda and the Pepsi and and Pepsi was like, you know what? It's it's. I guess it was a headache, and they were like, let's get it out of here, and they got it out of there, and then it was just it was empty for a while, and then we put in the arcade. Right. Yeah. And yeah, and the arcade every Christmas would become our storeroom. Because one of the things they did when they opened up the store to utilize every possible space for selling was they put our storeroom in Keysby, New Jersey. And we had a remote back room. And every night, two to three, four, five trucks would come. And the night crew would replenish the store. And then it would look like uh, nobody shopped there the day before. It would look immaculate. That's amazing. The So, and with, uh, there was also an addition, the Wonka display yeah what did that replace what was there before just toys in the corner there was just toys there yeah um and uh nestle's came in and they were like we want to put the the world's only wonka shop in your store and we did and they pumped chocolate scent into the air so every time you walked by you (laughs) smelled chocolate it was like you were there it was pretty cool when we opened it there was an oompa loompa and he cut the ribbon. It was great. It was great. That was part of my tour when I would give the tour in the morning at Children of the Wonka area. They loved taking pictures. People really, uh, it was out Disney World in the middle of Manhattan. It was great. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, and there was, you know, the with the Superman statue. I don't know if you uh, know this, but I, I found the Superman statue, like, on a, uh, a collector site being uh, sold. Really? Yeah, you have any idea how much it cost? Uh, you want to take a guess? Let me take a Is it with the truck or without the truck? It's without the truck. Without the truck? I'm going to say 250000 No, only 10000 What? Really? I know. I know. Oh. Uh, awesome. I, yeah, but the uh, I couldn't find spot. They had Spider Man. They change, and and here's a really specific question. But I'm assuming that you you walked around the store enough that maybe you would know. Um, they it seems like they changed the webs that were coming out of Spider Man like four times. They did. They did. Uh, what was that point, about? I don't know. At one point they were like a uh, rope. At one point yeah. they were really thin filament, like like uh, like um uh, like a fishing wire, but a little thicker than that. At one point they were just hard plastic. I have no idea why they changed them. I guess Marvel came in and was like, uh, we're going to do something different. I don't know. We, uh, before Optimus Prime was where he was, they, that was the G.I. Joe section. And we used to have two paratroopers in the ceiling. And they would drop down like really? they were on parachutes. I didn't know their, that. Yeah, on their elastic uh, rope. And then they'd get taken back up and taken back up and taken back up. And then they'd stay up there for a little while. And then they drop down, and then that was cute. That was cute. And they also, you know, you had the ET shop when you first opened. (gasps) Oh, we had ET spaceship, and ET was in the spaceship, and he would raise his head, and he would say ET. Oh, that was oh. Oh, they had a little robot at ET. Oh yeah, you're bringing me back, man. There would be a light show (laughs) every couple of minutes. So there'd be a light show. I can't find any pictures of this. There's no video or pictures on that. No. That was very because um, it was the twentieth anniversary of uh, ET, right? And they did this big, huge shop in conjunction with Jurassic Park, and it's Amblin and it's Steven Spielberg, and we had all ET figures and dolls and stuffed animals, and there was the ship, and um, yeah, it was great. Oh, ET was the best. That was great. And then they took that out and. Different shops would come in and out. We had feature shops in the store, too, that would get changed out monthly. Different corporations would spend whatever amount of money they would to highlight their toys in this specific area. Uh, At the front of the store, uh, upstairs, we had a place called World's Fair, where it was $50,000 for the month, and you could rent out that spot to put your product there. It would still stay in its home location, wherever it was. I feel like I'm giving the tour right now. Oh my God, everything is coming back to me. <laughs> yeah, take, but, take yeah. me around. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, and then the feature shop in the front of the store. And then uh, when uh, when Mindy became the general manager of the store, she started out as a buyer. And then she started to move up and she became the general manager. You know, when people become, you know, uh, when you get a high up job, you want to do something really quick to solidify yourself in that position. So she turned the whole first floor into a souvenir floor with Toys R Us souvenirs. And, oh, it did so well. It did so well that uh, everybody was like, whoa, what's going on here? And um, that's why people would walk in and go, uh, where, 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 where are all the toys? <laughs> yeah. They only saw souvenir stuff. I said, you have to go down or up. And then, um, yeah, we had a great, uh, that was great. The souvenir spot was great because we had all Toys R Us Times Square, New York based stuff, t-shirts, mugs, everything, anything you could think of, we had it. And then up on the second floor was Superman holding the truck and Spider-Man swinging from the web and the dinosaur and the Jurassic Park 
big stone pillars. And then we had Candyland based on the game. And we had a Babies R Us in the store. We turned our juvenile section into a Babies R Us Express in the store. And then we had the girls to set the department, which had a life-size Barbie dream house. You can go inside. And then, of course, on the lower level, our wheels department with the bikes and all the remote control cars, our electronic section. Um, Scoops R Us, which came in a little later. They would sell coffee and ice cream and cookies. And then the R Zone, which was the video game section. And our R Zone, our video game section, was so big and made so much money, it made as much money in one year as a regular Toys R Us and, let's say, Kalamazoo. Just the video game section. It was, oh, I was crazy, crazy epic. But um, yeah, you got me feeling very nostalgic, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my job. I love uh, it. Oh, I love it. Well, no, this has been so great to to you know to get so much more information on this and to hear you know the firsthand, of course, and meet Vinny um, because I had no <laughs> idea. And I and people and if you have any pictures of Vinny, please you know message them my way. I'm sure people would love to see. You know, um, to see on, that on my YouTube channel that I have uh, a big like I don't know seven followers. I have the videos. <laughs> I have the video of when I was on Good Morning America. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I will go. I'll figure that out. And I'll figure out a way to link that, and we can you know see that. Yeah, that's they, uh, so cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's when I uh, did my uh, my stint on Good Morning America. They came to Toys R Us. She did my job, and then I did the news, which was crazy. That was crazy. That's amazing. The and so as, as we're getting going, um, I just you know two more things uh, while I have you is uh, one you know just a general question of what do you have if you have like a favorite memory a specific one even if it's not like an enjoyable thing or if it is you know is there anything that you know it's fourteen years that's a long you know time to work somewhere is there anything that you didn't get to mention that you just like you know that the people need to hear that you can think of. Uh, and anything at all it doesn't have to be profound well, or anything the, the tours were really good they were mm-hmm. really great i love doing the tours um just the fact that i was able because everybody has to work everybody has to have a job if you don't have to have a job you're you know you're independently wealthy and hey lots good for you that's great but if you're not you have to work and kenny rogers once told me that if you get a job you love you'll never work a day in your life and that's what that store felt like. It felt like going into some place where I loved being, I loved the people around me, except for a couple, we won't name any names. And <laughs> I, I really loved being there. And that surrounding and that sense of family was uh, pretty, pretty cool. And the fact the day that I met Bette Midler, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> I was Bette standing... Midler went to the store. Oh, yeah, because her... Um, a former assistant of hers, personal assistant, worked in um, public relations in the store. So she would come there often to see her. But every time she came, I was never there. So here I am one day, I'm on the bridge, and I'm Vinny, and I'm doing my shtick. I turn around to face the back of the store for some reason, and I hear somebody behind me says, excuse me, which way to the elevator banks? And I say to myself, oh, oh my God, that's Beth Midler. And I turn around and I go, oh, hello, Miss Midler. How are you? Nice to see you. She's like, oh, who are you? I said, my name is Vinny and I'm here for you. What can I do for you? She goes, I need to see Helen up in the offices. I was like, follow me. I took her arm, went into the elevator, I took her upstairs. 
that was a pretty cool moment. And Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. Oh, my God. I mean, the, the list goes on because they would all come in to see our personal shopping manager. And uh, that was a fun part, too, of the job, the famous people that would walk in. But you never know it was them because they had a hat on or sunglasses. Matthew Broderick came in with his son. Um, it, 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 a lot of Broadway people, and I'm a Broadway guy, so when Broadway people came in, I'd be like, blah, 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 blah. And, I, <laughs> and I fall, fall over myself, and I, I get all nervous and everything. But, um, yeah, the family part of it was really, that, that really made me want to keep going there every day. It was great. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's amazing. Then thank you for sharing so much of this. I really appreciate it and your time and, you know, giving me so much of your time. And my final thing was, uh, you know, you have this interesting, uh, quarantine show that you're, you've got going on. Um, I didn't know if you want to mention that. Oh, absolutely. So, um, I've been an actor performer, uh, my whole life. Uh, and, um, I hooked up with this writer director in 2005 and we've been working consistently for the past 15 years. Uh, on one act plays, on uh, off Broadway plays, this, that, and the other thing. In 2016, a play that we worked on, reading after reading after reading for six years, seven, no, eight years, we finally got to full production. It was called A Room of My Own, and it was based on my friend's life growing up in the, the West Village in the 70s. And we were lucky to get Ralph Macchio and Mario Cantone to be in the show with us. And yeah. it got, oh my God, it got rave reviews. It was on for a month at the Abingdon Theater, which is no longer there physically. It's there, but they moved from theater to theater now. Um, and it got rave reviews. It was great. And then we did it again in Connecticut that, that same year with the different cast. But then in 2000, and like six years before this, in 2010, my friend Charles, the writer, he called me up. He goes, guess who I had lunch with today? I said, who? He said, Dion. I said, Dion DiMucci from Dion and the Belmonts? He goes, yeah. I said, how the heck did that happen? He said, a mutual friend. He goes, we're going to write a, a musical about his life, and you're going to play his father. And I went, okay. And all Wait. these years. <clears throat> yeah. So all <laughs> well, so these years. How yeah, old is Dion? <laughs> Dion's 81. And still going strong, man. He's the coolest guy you're ever gonna meet. He's the best. They're gonna get a a an actor to play Dion when he's younger. I was like, are you yes. gonna be able to play an 81 year old man's father? No, no, no. It, uh, oh, let me let me let me clear this up, Kevin. It takes yeah. place between his ages of 17 and 29. Gotcha. Okay, that makes them yes. late 40s okay. to early 50s father. Yeah, people get a little concerned when I say that. They're like, what? You can't be Dion's father. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> No, no, yeah. Okay, it makes sense. I get yeah. it. Yeah, so we were supposed so a reading after reading after workshop after workshop, we were going to be at the Paper Mill Playhouse in Milburn, New Jersey, May 28th to June 28th of this year. It was set in stone. $3 million production. We were going. And then everything stopped. And we're like, what? Because from Paper Mill, you go to Broadway. And this would have been mine and his and our other friend that plays my wife in the show, it would have been our thing. It would have been our big break. We would have gone to Broadway. We would have made a lot of money, and it would have been phenomenal. It would have been amazing, and I was all ready to go. And then oh, March no. 16th happened, and I'm like, uh, what do you mean Broadway is closed? What do you mean my store is closing tomorrow? What do you mean we're shutting down the city? What's going on here? And then we got done. So now we're like, uh, we got to keep the juices flowing. We got to keep our creative process going. What do we do? So we 
a friend of ours told my friend Charles Messina, the writer of The Wanderer, now the producer of The Wanderer, the show about Dion, he says, you guys need to do something. And I'm like, he's like, what are we going to do? He's like, you should do a sitcom about the pandemic and you film it during the pandemic and every episode will be an episode of, of like what people are going through through the quarantine. And we were like, oh, how do we do that? Well, you got a cell phone, right? I'm like, yeah. Because you're going to film your lines with your cell phone in your apartment. And Jolie <laughs> will film her lines in her apartment with her cell phone. She'll edit all the clips together. And it'll look like we're in the same apartment. And we're like, okay. And we're on episode 28 right now. Because we've been doing this for like seven months. And it works. And we've been getting really, really good feedback. We were in uh, two... We were in AM New York. We were on uh, NBC New York on Channel 4 here in the city. Uh, they want to do a segment maybe on uh, Channel 11. We're trying to get all we have. The publicist for The Wanderer is helping us out. The pitching staff, Jules. And, um, yeah, it's been great fun. I've been having a blast. I'm, I'm, I'm filming myself, which I never really do. I'm actually never... I'm only a, a theater guy. I've never been on film here and there, but nothing crazy. But now I have like all these episodes. I'm on IMDb. I'm I'm I'm, I'm credited as actor slash cinematographer because I'm filming myself. It's like weird. And um, it's called the Honey Zoomers, like nice. the honeymooners, but the Honey Zoomers. And if you go to www.thehoneyzoomers.com, all of our episodes are on there. Uh, you can also go to YouTube. And subscribe to the channel, which would be great, uh, The Honey Zoomers, on the YouTube. And um, it's been a blast. It's been keeping us alive and keeping us motivated. I mean, what's got me through this quarantine and through the pandemic? Meditation, listening to Christmas music, and The Honey Zoomers. And um, we're very proud of it. And we, we're going to do 39 like the original Honeymooners did 39. And then we're going to stop. Well, that's great. Well, I hope so. I'll put that in the in the description, and people should go uh, check that out. That sounds that sounds awesome. And of course, now that you know, yeah, they know you, and they know a few of your characters. They can go enjoy your characters on uh, the yes. Honey Zoomer. Yes, yes. Uh, the Honey Zoomers. Uh, well, Johnny, like I said, I really appreciate you giving me so much of your time today, and uh, and talking about Toys R Us Times Square. This has been so so fantastic, and I, I can't wait for people to to hear this and learn more. Kevin, it was my pleasure. Toys R Us Times Square will always be uh, one of my favorite jobs I ever had in my life, and I very uh, holds a very uh, special place in my heart. Well, thanks again, and it's been great to have you on. And to everyone listening, thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And thank you for visiting Defunctland. Land.